0: Amen. He is alive. He is risen. Well, today's Resurrection Sunday, aka Easter Sunday, and this, of course, is the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And what is what is resurrection? What does resurrection even mean? It means that Jesus literally rose from the dead. It wasn't a, It wasn't a. Um, It wasn't just a symbolic thing. It wasn't just a a myth or a legend. Jesus was dead. He was put in a tomb. And then days later, he came back to life. His body was no longer in the tomb. But this resurrected life that he rose to, it was different. He rose with a different kind of body. A glorified body. A body that will never die again. But it wasn't just a case of replacement, it was more like the old body was the seed and, and, and this new body resurrected from the old body. So two questions that I hope to answer today. First, how do we even know that this really happened? I mean, coming back from the dead is kind of unbelievable. And second, who cares? right? What, why does it even matter that Jesus came back from the dead? And maybe you're here today, and you're a believer, and you're like, "Well, I already know that this is true, and I already know why." But I hope that that you'll still be encouraged as we're as we're reminded of this truth, because this is this Jesus resurrection is the it's the hinge that our faith swings on. This is this this is the Jesus rising from the dead is the center of our, our faith, and and even today, I, yesterday I was reading a, an article, an opinion piece by our. Uh, I, don't, I guess it was opinion, an opinion piece by a woman that is president of a, I think it's even a Christian college, and she would call herself a Christian, and she was making the claim that, you know what, the the resurrection, we don't even know if it really happened. What matters is that we love each other, and it's like, no, no, it does matter that we love each other, but Jesus did rise from the dead, physically and literally, and this this is core to our faith. And so, so believer, I encourage you as well that, that you would be encouraged by this, um, that that. Uh, you would guard against that, that temptation that Satan might sometimes try and plant in our mind, that it's like, oh, this wasn't real, this, isn't, this is just a symbolic thing or something else. And you would be reminded that, no, Jesus literally rose from the dead, and that changes everything. So let's jump into the text. If you have a Bible with you, we'll be in John chapter 20, for starters. And uh, John chapter, yeah John chapter 20. And leading up to the events described in John chapter 20, Jesus dies by crucifixion. In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, this was Good Friday. Good, because this was the moment that Jesus died for us. When I'm talking to kids about Jesus' death, I'll sometimes tell them, when you do something bad, you get in trouble. And we've all done bad stuff. Jesus got in trouble for us. And that's why He died on the cross it's not good that we've done stuff deserving of death it is good that Jesus paid the price that we could never pay and that's why it's called Good Friday so after he died they took Jesus body and they put it in a tomb the next day was a Sabbath when no work was to be done and then came Sunday the first day of the week and that gets us to John chapter 20 verse 1 early on the first day of the week Sunday While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. This this other disciple would be John, the author of of this book. So we've got a first-hand account here. And Mary Magdalene said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and John started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. It it seems that John was quite happy that he was the faster runner in this case. So the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lined there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, right? Because Peter, as we know, is or is known as as the more brash and, and impulsive one. And so, of course, he just rushes right past John, right into the tomb. What is going on here? Peter saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, right, just in case you forgot who's the fastest runner, John throws it in there again. So finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still do not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Ah, friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open your word today, that you would teach us the things that you would teach us, that you would, that the things that you want to be proclaimed would be proclaimed, and, and that we would, that we would know uh, that, you, uh, that you are God and, and that you conquered death. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the end there, it says. John saw and believed. Saw what? That the tomb was empty, right? It's like, at that moment, boom, John got it. He saw the empty tomb, boom, he knows what happened here. Jesus' body isn't here. The grave clothes are still here. Where's Jesus? Processing, processing, he's alive. John saw and believed. And the text doesn't tell us here that John is alive, only that the tomb was empty but in the following verses John appeared to Mary Magdalene or sorry Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in in verse 11 John chapter 20 verse 11 starting there Jesus appeared to his disciples starting in verse 19 Jesus appeared to Thomas starting in verse 24 Jesus was and is alive that's great and all but how do we know that it really happened it's been said that extraordinary events require extraordinary evidence and so a guy coming back to life Never to die again? That's pretty extraordinary. Do we have extraordinary evidence? I believe we do. John makes the case by telling about all the people that saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. Right? He's like, you know Mary. You know the disciples. Thomas, you know him. They saw Jesus. And for us today, we can't talk to Mary or Thomas, any of the other disciples. How do we know that John didn't make this stuff up? Well, let me give you a few reasons. First... John isn't the only one to give us an account, to give us accounts of witnesses. Paul does too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 to 8, um, he tells us, the resurrected Jesus appeared to Cephas, also known as as Peter, and then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, he said, though some have fallen asleep. And this, this example is great. 500, most of whom are still alive. Paul's saying, ask them about Jesus. Then he says, some have fallen asleep, right? Because now that Jesus has conquered death, death is no worse than falling asleep. We can refer to it that way. And then he appears to James, Paul says. And, and recognize that, that just like with John's list, you and I can't talk to these people. By now they have all died. Nonetheless, this evidence helps us, right? 1 Corinthians is another witness written at another time by a different author, There are other witnesses in the Bible. Luke 24, for example, tells about Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, and then goes on to list additional witnesses. The point is that we have different sources proclaiming the same message, that Jesus is alive. And so back to Paul's list in 1 Corinthians here. Um, Then Jesus appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. So finally, Jesus appeared to Paul. And this is Paul's testimony, he was the one, Paul was the one that wrote this letter, and so this is, this is, this is his testimony, this is a part of his testimony, that Jesus appeared to me as well. And, and I would even say that testimony is another reason that we know that John didn't make up this resurrection stuff. Most of us haven't literally seen Jesus, but we have experiences or encounters with God. Maybe you've experienced a miracle. These kind of stories are usually the more subjective subjective evidence for God, but they're also the most convincing, right? Our testimony, when we experience God and when we share that. So share your testimony, friends. It will remind you of your first love, and it will introduce others to Him. And then another subjective source of evidence that helps us determine the reliability of these accounts is our ability to detect fake news. Now, the problem with fake news, any story that's just made up for clicks or to trick people, isn't that we don't know how to recognize it as fake. The problem is that, that we tend to be lazy, right? We see, a, we see a headline, we know it's probably not entirely accurate, but it supports our viewpoint, so we share it. And, and, and in this, here's the practical advice, right? If you, if you <laughs> stop sharing the, the, tr- the trash, that you haven't double-checked because you agree with it, right? We do this all the time. So stop doing it. That's the practical advice for that. But, but if we take the time, I do believe that, that we're good at discerning whether something is, is true or not, and especially us that have the Holy Spirit. The same thing applies with God's Word. I proclaim that if you read it, you'll be able to discern whether it's true or not. Here's a hint, it is. But you must read it. In order to put the, the fake news detector to work on the resurrection, you have to actually read your Bible. <clears throat> So we put all this evidence together, and it proves the resurrection. No, this isn't, this isn't proof. It's evidence. And this is where our, our faith comes in. But contrary to what some may say, it's not blind faith. <clears throat> You've heard of um, flat earthers. These are, these are people that believe that the earth is flat rather than a, a globe. And they might suggest that, that pictures from space are just hoaxes or that uh, the moon landings never happened. And, and the thing is, there's, there is lots of evidence that the Earth is a globe, but unless you've actually seen this big ball for yourself, you can't prove that, that this idea of the Earth being round isn't just a big conspiracy, a big, a big hoax. And, and there are some experiments that you can do, but at the end, you could just claim, hey, these, these experiments are just inconclusive So, so if you want to believe that the earth is round, even something that I I would suggest is, maybe there's some flat earthers here, I don't know, but I would suggest that this is something that that we all know to be true. But if you want to claim that the earth is round, at some point, you do have to accept the evidence and make that final step of faith and believe. For most things in life, we don't have proof, we have evidence, and we make decisions based on that evidence. And so when John entered the tomb, What did he do? He saw and believed. Did he see Jesus? No. But he saw evidence and by faith, he believed that Jesus was alive. Okay, so final piece of evidence that suggests that we should trust John's account of the resurrection. Prophecies. In the John passage in verse nine, John gave us a bit of commentary about what was going on in his mind and in the mind of Peter. We still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, which highlights this other piece of evidence, right, Scripture, for them the Old Testament. And so we have prophecies in the Old Testament that tell us all about Jesus. <clears throat> Some of them authenticate Jesus, right, by, by telling us about him, by telling us the things that he would do, by telling us who he was before he was born. And, and this, kind of, this kind of prophecy proves that Jesus is the Messiah. And John might, be, might have been referring to this kind of scripture, and, and there's, lots of, there's lots of examples of that. And if you want to talk about some of that kind of evidence, I'd love to chat with you. Um, but, but I think that John here was referring more to, to theology, right? The, to the things that God had taught his people that would have been true for all time. To the things that God had taught his people in the Old Testament that they knew to be true. And then when these things played out, it's like, how does this, how does this all work out? And, and knowing their theology that existed in the Old Testament, their, their understanding of who God is and, and, and how things had to happen, had they, had they, and eventually John and Peter did, had they stepped back and thought, well, how does this all fit together? Oh, Jesus is alive. And one of my favorites that speaks, um, it speaks more about our resurrection is in John, uh, Job chapter 19, and this is verses 25 to 27. And, and this was penned way before Jesus' earthly ministry, Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Right? Job knew that his body would, that he would die, that his body would decay. But he also knew that in the flesh, he would see Jesus, that somehow his body would be resurrected. Verse 27, I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Even though Job knew he would die, he also knew that he would see Jesus in the flesh. See Jesus in his flesh, in in Job's flesh. If you know the Old Testament, the parts of the Bible written before Jesus, then you know that Jesus had to come back to life. Jesus' resurrection, it wasn't a new plan. It had always been the plan. And so there we have it. That's some some of the evidence, and there's plenty more. But we all have to decide. Do I, do I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And the next question then is, why does it even matter? Would, would Jesus being alive or being dead make any difference in my life? The Apostle Paul gives us the outline for the answer to this question. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you're following along in, in your own Bible. Um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verses uh, 12 to 19. The dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So verse 17, or starting in verse 17, we get four reasons that the resurrection matters. First, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. Jesus' bodily resurrection proves that what He says is true. Jesus, he, he, in, his, in his life and in his death, he showed us a different way to live. He showed us that true love is humble. Sometimes we think that means that, that, that humility or humbleness means weakness, but the, act- the, the opposite is actually true. The more powerful you are, the more humility is required. Maybe you're stronger, better, faster than some of your friends. Maybe you can even run faster than John. The Bible doesn't say that everyone has the same abilities, <clears throat> but God does delight in weakness over strength. Paul in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 9 to 10 says, But Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong, Paul proclaims. And Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of this, then humbled himself more than anyone else. He was humiliated and died on the cross for everyone. But there's an irony about this. See, Jesus can say that we're strong when we're weak, but unless he conquers evil, well, we're probably not going to believe him. And so he does. He conquers death. He does what no one else has been able to do, the ultimate victory. Years ago, I was in China, and we visited the Terracotta terracotta army. This is a, an army of 8,000 soldiers made out of clay and buried with the first emperor of China, uh, Qin Shi Huang. And, and their purpose in doing this, the purpose of having the soldiers there was to protect the emperor after his death. Likewise, pharaohs in, in ancient Egypt were entom- entombed in pyramids, and, and some scholars believe that these pyramids were meant to be resurrection machines. <clears throat> and then in, mul- in, in modern times, we're constantly trying to squeeze a few more years out of life. Some, some people have, have actually frozen their bodies in hopes that they will someday be reanimated. Or others hope to upload their consciousness to a, to a computer, to a machine. And so the point, friends, is that we've been trying to figure out how to beat death, how to conquer death since forever. And, and let me tell you that there is someone that has already achieved this victory. Jesus conquered death. He's still alive after 2,000 years, 2,000 years after he died, almost 2,000 years. And so Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. If Christ has not been raised, then you might as well put your faith in something stronger, death maybe. Because there's no point in putting your faith in something that will ultimately lose. But Christ has been raised, and your faith is not Futile. Second, um, Paul then goes on to say, if Christ has not been raised, then you're still in your sins. In Romans 6.23 we read, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord, the price of sin is death. When you fail, when you don't live up to the glory of God, the price is death. Jesus paid the price. But if the wages of sin is death, then couldn't Jesus die? the price without being resurrected well no jesus jesus paid the price then showed that the price had no hold on him both of these are true death no longer has any hold over us because jesus died for us and death no longer has any hold over us because jesus conquered death that is jesus paid the price death but then had victory over death the old system is no longer in place because it's been destroyed. Okay, but if that's the case, then wouldn't all be saved? No, we can still choose to live under the old system. It has no power except that which we give because Jesus has destroyed its power. Okay, but if Jesus conquered death, then why do we still die? Well, Jesus conquered death. He is now the master over death. And he is allowing death to continue until his return. Listen, though, not, not only is this about no longer being trapped by death, but if, if Jesus did save us and he's still dead, he didn't raise back to life, then we, we, even in that we need to ask what's the point, right? Because the good news is that when we die, when we're resurrected, we get to be with Jesus. And if Jesus isn't alive, then we don't get to be with him. All right, so third, Paul continues, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But what does he even mean by that? Well, those who have fallen asleep, right? By that, Paul means those who have died. And this makes sense. If Jesus didn't come back to life, then no one else will. But he did, and they will. If Jesus isn't alive then there's no hope for our loved ones that have died. But Jesus is alive. There's comfort in this, friends. There's hope in Jesus' resurrection. The Bible teaches that when we die, we're immediately with Jesus. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so even though this is true, even though when we die, our spirit is with Jesus, I think... I think we all know that that isn't the end. This isn't the full good news. We're more than disembodied spirits. We know that unless the body is raised, we're lost. We haven't truly been resurrected from the dead. Or think of it this way. Is a ghost alive or, or dead? I think most of us would say dead, but kind of alive. In between, right? Until, until our spirits are re- are are reunited with our resurrected bodies, we aren't truly alive. We're 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 even even when we when we die and we're sleeping and we're 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 with Jesus but we're waiting for that final day when he comes back and our bodies are resurrected, I think I don't know what, what our conscious state is like but but I believe that we we're yearning for that day when 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 we receive our resurrected bodies. <clears throat> if Christ has not been raised then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But friends, we have hope, even even with those that, that we have lost, because we know that Jesus did raise from the dead. And then finally, fourth, in answer to the question, why does the resurrection even matter? Paul answers, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are to be most pitied. Have you ever had one of those conversations, or maybe read one of those conversations when somebody will claim, you know what, even if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, it doesn't matter. What matters is how you live your life. Or, or someone asks the question, forget about life after death. I want to know, has the church throughout history overall been good or bad for society? <clears throat> or sometimes the argument will be made, our Judeo-Christian values are why we don't have whatever societal problem. Or, or if we posted the Ten Commandments in our schools, we wouldn't have so much crime. Or, I don't believe in Jesus, but I appreciate the values that the Church teaches. But the Holy Spirit, writing through Paul, won't have any of that. Forget it. If Jesus is only for this life, then we are to be pitied. Pitied? Well, yeah. When you became a Christian, you entered into the abundant life that Jesus promised, and I believe that that life is better than the life you left behind. If only because you're finally walking in the path which the Creator, to which the Creator called you. But this life is difficult. It will probably be more difficult for you as a believer. So if you're living a lie and you're living a more difficult life to follow that lie, then yeah, you're to be pitied. Whether you're walking with Jesus or living without him, this life is difficult at times. I think we all know this world is broken. It's beautiful, but if you're like me, then you just yearn for more. Here's the good news, there is more friends. Our hope in Christ means that we too will be resurrected to a new heaven and a new earth that aren't broken. All right, let's, uh, let's finish up here. This section of, of his letter to the Corinthians, and Paul finishes this section with another call to action. And I appreciate how this is rendered in the message. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 30 to 34. Um, All the trials that he mentions here are a direct result of following Jesus. So Paul writes, And why do you think I, Paul, keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah, Jesus? Do you think I was just trying to act heroic when I fought the wild beasts at Ephesus, hoping it wouldn't be the end of me? Not on your life. It's resurrection, resurrection, always resurrection, that undergirds what I do and say, the way I live. If there's no resurrection, we eat, we drink, the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by the anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good manners. Think straight. Awaken to the holiness of life. No more playing fast and loose with resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury you can't afford at times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that you've let this kind of thing go on as long as you have? Friends, don't follow a dead king don't trust in a dead savior we follow a king who is alive our savior conquered death jesus is risen risen he is risen indeed amen let's pray heavenly father i pray that in a miraculous way you have and would remind your people that jesus is alive and lord when 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 we would feel we would be tempted to feel hopeless that we would know that That things aren't hopeless because you have conquered death. That Jesus is alive. He was resurrected from the dead. And we too will be resurrected from the dead. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.